Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you all to the table, where together we face the daily challenges of autoimmune and autoinflammatory arthritis. Every Sunday, join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Whether you are a loved one, a professional working in the field, or a person diagnosed with an AI arthritis disease, this podcast is for you. So pull up a chair and take a seat at the table. Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360. This is the official talk show for the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short. My name is Tiffany Westridge-Robertson. I am the CEO of the organization and also, like all of the leaders within our nonprofit, am a person living with these diseases myself. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is really the core of why we exist as an organization. And that is how patients sharing stories, but even more than sharing stories, sharing stories with each other and then evolving that into conversation so that together we can begin to connect the dots, find missing gaps and current issues that we're still dealing with as people living with these diseases. And then bringing those voices and those aha moments to the table alongside other stakeholders so together we can solve problems that impact our futures. I'm going to focus here on symptoms. And this is something we all have, right? Regardless if it's an AI arthritis disease or, or not, and everybody's had something in their lives when they've had to report their symptoms, how they're feeling, et cetera. And you go to the doctor and you give them a list and say, well, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. And, and then they have a, the doctor has a very tough job. They have to figure out by narrowing it down, maybe some laboratory work or some radiographic imaging or you know whatever tests they have to run. And eventually, hopefully, a diagnosis is made. But it all starts with the patient, with the person living with this experience is feeling and also deciding if that's new for you, if this is something that can't be explained in another way. And, you know, I think to myself back when I had onset, I was in my mid-30s and I was in great shape. I was playing volleyball on the beach. I kickboxed. I ate fairly well. I, I All intents and purposes, I looked like an athlete. I looked extremely healthy. All of a sudden, I started getting extremely fatigued, and it was abnormal for me. On top of it, I would wake up with these pains in my left leg, in my, in my hand. I didn't know what arthritis felt like, but I remember thinking to myself or explaining to others, it's, it's what I guess I imagine arthritis would feel like, you know, this, this achy kind of feeling like it's bruised. And then there were other things. But the point is, is I was going through and deciphering what the list of symptoms were. And then I brought them to the doctors and heard a lot of, well, you're an athlete, you hurt yourself, 
you're stressed, you have a really stressful job. It's not, I'm not alone. But I think the important thing to note here is I knew that this was unique to me. I knew that I did not injure myself. I knew that this was not a result of stress. This was something that had a particular onset and these symptoms were happening at the same time together and even disappearing the same time together because it was flaring, it was coming and going. But as a person living with these symptoms, I was dismissed in a way. And I get it. A doctor has a lot that they have to consider. And it is, I'm sure, common that people do get injured. (laughs) People are stressed. That is an absolute fact. So by all means, I understand why that could be considered. But another part of this is, you know, I it was before I was diagnosed. I think I did what a lot of us do. I went to the internet and I started typing in my symptoms. I literally, like every symptom I had, I would just type in and then see when I hit search what would come up. And over and over, I kept getting rheumatoid arthritis. And that's sort of what led me on the path down to trying to think, is this some type of autoimmune arthritis disease? Now I had a direction. I started typing in rheumatoid arthritis and I found like the Mayo Clinic and, you know, some other, you know, probably WebMD, but, but some different areas. And what I noticed was while some of the symptoms seemed to match me, they didn't match each other, <laughs> meaning what was on one site might not be what was on the other site. There were a couple things that it seemed was in common, like joint pain. But now, again, you got I got to preface this by saying this was back in 2007. So things have been updated, I'm sure, since then. But I do remember that fatigue was not on all of the lists. But I remember they were varied. So if we think about it, look at my point of view versus you know a, a medical professional point of view. And we have to think that the symptoms that were published on these sites are medically reviewed. So what I was reading online is what medical professionals in the rheumatology community are listing as symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. That's another very important point to note here. You have lived experience from a patient, but then you also have professional experience from a doctor. I mean, they, they interact with people with rheumatoid arthritis. So clearly they are also experts in presentation and, and disease progression, et cetera in addition to the education that they receive and continue to receive. So why, I ask, you know, and I don't just ask myself, we asked as an organization once we formed, why is there this disconnect? Because as we became an organization, we started talking to other people living with our diseases from all over the world. It became really apparent that there wasn't an agreement on what the symptoms were, whether that was what was published, what the doctor was telling us we should be experiencing, what we're saying we're experiencing. In addition to the points I've already made, you also have to consider that these diseases are unique in presentation and the way that they evolve in each person. There might be some connecting factors, the autoimmune and the autoinflammatory or that auto that we like to say, where you'll have that fatigue, usually some myalgia, 
maybe brain fog. Those are all those components that happen regardless of your diagnosis. That's an auto feature. And then you have your arthritis feature. So those, yes, those shared. But then why do the other symptoms in each of these diseases vary so much? And it also could be comorbidities, misdiagnosed, rediagnosed. There's there's a lot of factors <laughs> that we can put in here. But the bottom line is when you cut right through it all, what patients are reporting are their symptoms are not the same as the symptoms that are published in a variety of locations, not saying in any way, shape, or form any of those publications are wrong. They just are possibly incomplete. So as an organization, we explored this a little bit more. Back in 2013, it was our first real research project. And it was based on this concept of how are the symptom lists that are published that doctors created, medical people created, and the conversations we're having with people living with these diseases, how is it that they don't always line up? And when we looked at a few of these publications and cross-compared the symptom lists, not one of them had the same symptoms. So if I'm going into a doctor and I'm saying XYZ, I'm feeling, and we've gone past the point to establish it's not an injury, it's, it's, it's something to do with this disease, if the doctor is basing their knowledge of the disease primarily on what they understand to be symptomatic of, let's say, rheumatoid arthritis in, in this case, and let's say they don't think about brain fog as a part of rheumatoid arthritis, it's not on any of their lists, it wasn't in the education, patients may not talk about that at their visits, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So we call this the early symptom study of AI arthritis. It's on our website. You can find it under our research section. And we compared patient-reported symptoms across six disease areas. So we had rheumatoid arthritis. We had psoriatic arthritis. At the time, it was called ankylosing spondylitis. Now it's axial spondyloarthritis, lupus, Sjogren's syndrome, and adult-onset Stills disease the last one, Stills disease, being auto-inflammatory, the other five being autoimmune, both stemming from the immune system, just different sides. And what we found were, again, some similarities, kind of confirming our auto plus arthritis, and some very specific similarities that were no big surprise that were specific to each disease. For example, spondyloarthritis with the low back involvement, which also was heightened in psoriatic arthritis, which is also a spondyloarthritis disease. So none of that was really novel, but that's not why we were doing the research. The point was to understand which symptoms were present regardless of diagnosis, and then also how what we were reporting was different than what was in the publications. And since then, the goal has been to continue these conversations with people living with our diseases. And again, I want to preface, this isn't just story sharing. There's an element of story sharing, but then we like to continue the conversation, ask questions about the comments that were made. And through those dialogues, we really are able to identify and solve some problems, have some aha moments. And as a person living with these diseases, what an amazing way to gain education and to learn. 
it's a very different way than sitting in a panel and having an expert speak, which is another great way to learn, but this is different and it really helps us to also understand we're not alone and wow, well, me too, that happens with me. So why isn't that listed in a journal, et cetera? Let's fast forward to this past year and we have decided that it is time to take the research we've been working on based on this initial idea that the symptoms that patients are reporting and the symptoms that doctors may feel are the go-to symptoms, let's combine those two and see what happens. But let's start with patient-reported symptoms. Then we'll give those to the medical professionals to review. And as a result, let's create a patient-reported symptoms list and see how inclusive that is of existing publications. We started with Stills disease. Now, I had mentioned in the early symptom study, it was only adult onset, and that's because we were only monitoring symptoms of people who had adult disease. We didn't include any juvenile. But Stills disease is a continuum that starts with systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis. And if you're 16 years or older, at the time of onset, that's considered adult onset, but it still stills disease. That is the name of the condition spectrum. First, before we collected the symptoms, we had focus groups where we asked the people living with the diseases, if we're going to create educational materials, what do you want? <laughs> we didn't want to just assume that, okay, let's put out a symptom brochure. We're glad we did that because what we found out is that particular community needed some things different than maybe uh, one of our other communities. And what they told us was, yes, symptom list as a general disease brochure, but also a strong need for something small that could be easily carried to a hospital or a new specialist or doctor because Stills disease is so rare and misunderstood or not really known by a lot of medical practitioners, people living with stills find it extremely difficult to receive proper care, especially emergency care. So we then decided those are the two that we're going to work on. And we started conducting focus groups and surveys based on patient-reported stills disease. And we called the campaign My Stills because we know that even though there are some standard symptoms you're going to see in the textbooks that are a salmon-colored rash that may disappear quickly, a high-spiking fever, joint pain, those are what you're going to see if you look these up. But reality is that patients were saying, well, I don't get the high spiking fevers. I get some low fevers or my rash does not itch as normal, but or not normal. I should say what's normally in the textbooks. However, they're saying theirs does itch and they're reporting abdominal pain. Well, I, we didn't see abdominal pain on in the, in the textbook publication. So we collected all of these and then we gave them to our medical reviewers at the Center for Auto-Inflammatory Diseases. So holla out to them. They, they've been wonderful with us. They were able to connect every symptom, every description of the variation from rashes to fevers to different pains that they may have been feeling, the night sweats, things that you would not normally see. They could justify those. They were saying the night sweats 
can definitely be part of the fevers. They were able to provide us with research links to show, yes, this can happen. Yes, there's new research into atypical rashes. Yes, there's research into XYZ. And because of us working together, we have created and are publishing on September 7th, which is Stills Disease Awareness Day, first ever fully patient-reported Stills Disease brochures guided by the people living with the diseases inclusive of every symptom they mentioned. Nothing was left off. The only thing we could not verify with the medical practitioners was brain fog, but we still put it in there because 30% of patients report it. So maybe there's a little side note that maybe we should start looking into brain fog in research in Stills disease. We're really excited about this because it shows you how over time conversations that patients have can lead to these aha moments. We're super excited to be able to share this resource because it will not only help patients be able to share resources <laughs> with the people that they need or, or have that information to educate others, but we always say everybody's the public before they're a patient. So maybe having these out there will help those looking for those symptom lists and knowing we have one that not only is inclusive of every symptom every disease experience that we could record and justified by the medical community, we have that resource now. If you don't have Stills disease and you have any of our other diseases that fall under the AI arthritis umbrella, our next step is to go down the line, start getting grants to do this exact same thing with each one of the diseases. If you are a person living with these diseases, we sure hope that you will join us to not only share your stories, but continue a dialogue so that we can continue to ensure that the uniqueness of our diseases is known regardless of what is published online. So one of the reasons that I wanted to bring up this topic today was to demonstrate how through conversations we're able to solve problems. And the next steps to solving these problems is really to get more and more stakeholders to the table. And that's what this talk show has always been about, making sure that we bring patient-identified issues to the table. And then instead of acting as advisors, we act as equals alongside the other stakeholders. That's where we really have evolved to with this show. And the brochures, I think, are a really good example of how that works. Now that we have more of these issues that we've identified, we need more time to develop the solutions and more time to bring the right people to the table and create extremely robust shows that will then go back and invite you all to give your input as well. But in order to have the time to do that, we have decided instead of airing weekly shows every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., we will be going bi-monthly. Again, the decision was based on needing the time to get all stakeholders at the table so that the information that we are projecting back is of high substance and is to the point where we can bring you all back to the table and we can continue solving these problems together. So it's an exciting evolution. But if you're thinking, oh, well, I'll miss you. I'll miss you all. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. In addition, 
we decided we're going to do this because we have other platforms that have been set up on YouTube and we're doing some video, we're doing some breakout series. Some of the things we put on the table on these episodes, we will then direct you to other locations. So we'll have a whole bunch of different varieties of ways that you can still connect with us and be involved. The most important one will be to make sure that you sign up for the coordinating site, which is arthritisvoices.org. That is our new online community. We are currently doing some revisions to it and we're excited to bring as many of you to the table to continue these conversations on that site as possible. So make sure that you sign up and then check out our website if you haven't for a while. You can see all of the different projects we're working on, including the early symptom study, which would be under research. And you'll also see our new My Stills page, which you can find at arthritis.org backslash My Stills. There you'll find our new brochures. You'll be able to continue submitting stories and sign up to have more conversations with us so we can continue creating educational materials, not only for stills, but as I said, if you sign up for AR Arthritis Voices online community, you'll have the opportunity to get involved as we expand this patient-reported symptom concept to other diseases as well. So we're excited about the new future of the show, please make sure that you subscribe and, hey, give us a rating. You can also find all of our episodes at arthritis.org backslash podcast. And while on there, we always like to ask if you enjoy the show, help us keep doing what we love to do. Give us a high five or a high 10 by clicking on the donation button. But all amounts are appreciated and we will use those donations to feed back into the show to make sure that we continue to bring you these awesome episodes. And that'll do it for today. Again, thank you for joining us at the table and learning a little bit more about the importance of patient voices and connecting the dots. Please, if you are a person living with the diseases, aiarthritisvoices.org. You'll be able to talk to myself, other co-hosts, and other patients from all around the world as you pull up a seat at the table because only together can we change the stories of tomorrow. AI Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on all the latest AI arthritis news and events. Oh,